What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. I am flying solo this week, like actually fully solo, which feels really weird. I actually don't think I've done like a full solo episode just by myself um, in like a year. Like I think the last one I did was maybe last August or something. So it feels pretty weird. Normally I've been joined by at least a guest or something, but just me today, you guys. So we're going to make the best of it because we're going to talk about a pretty important topic from my perspective at least, and it's really just going to be all about finding confidence at work. So I feel like this is something that I've only recently really become comfortable with, I would say. So I've been working full-time for about a year and maybe three or four months at this point, and then I also did two six-month full-time internships before I started this job. So um, I've been working for you know almost two and a half years now, um, full time. So I feel like I've finally kind of have enough experience under my belt to feel a little more confident at work. And I just want to talk through, you know, reasons you might be confident, really just normalize feeling like you're behind at work and everything that, you know, especially young women go through. And then also some ways to work on your confidence. I have a lot of pro tips in here. Um, and then I just want to, you know, talk about how work doesn't have to be your like full being and you could still like bring yourself to work because I feel like that's something that, you know, millennials and Gen Z, I feel like are trying to change the corporate world in that way. So yeah, it should be a good one. We'll see how long it is. I feel like it's always hard for me to have longer solo episodes just because I, I don't know. I feel like it would be actually be hard for me to have a solo podcast. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else thinks about that, but um, it's hard without my little co-host. So yeah, but if you're wondering what Kylie's doing, she actually, when I'm recording this, like just moved to Boston, um, like a day ago. So we decided to give her this week off because I knew that she would be packing and then unpacking and it would just be a little chaotic for her to do it with me. So I said, no worries. I'll swoop in. I'll cover this one alone. So you guys are stuck with me. What can I say? Um, but I'm actually sitting here with a glass of white wine. It's like the literal cheapest wine at Trader Joe's, I want to say. I think it's like three something and it's not even the two buck chuck. It's like a different brand, um, but it's a Pinot Grigio. So I thought that would be good, you know, for me during this solo episode to just really vibe, open up. I've got a candle going. It's, you know, evening, I'm on a work night. So we're really just going to decompress, chat as friends about all the things I've learned about workplace confidence, ways to find it. And yeah, it's going to be a good one. But before we get into the main episode topic, let's start with the segments and I'll kick it off with the week in review. So this week I wanted to talk about two experiences that I had. So um, you might have noticed a couple episodes ago that I mentioned I was maybe gonna go on a spontaneous trip and that did end up happening. So the trip was to Nantucket. Um, you guys will have to let me know if you've been to Nantucket. This was actually my first time, I think, going to Nantucket, despite living in New England my entire life. But it's honestly just kind of hard to get to. Like You have to um, drive partially down the Cape and then get on a ferry. And even the high-speed high speed ferry is like about an hour. 
And then um, you really kind of need a car on the island. I mean, there were Ubers, but they were pretty expensive. So um, the way that we were able to go is my boyfriend, Grant, his friend from school actually like grew up there. Like that's like his home, which how crazy is that? Like must have been the wildest, coolest upbringing, I feel like. Um, and so, yeah, that's just like his house. And so he hosted us at like his family home, which was so nice of him. So grateful. Um, cause I truly don't know if I would have had a chance to go to Nantucket had it not been hosted by him. It's just a hard place to get to and it's really expensive to stay, but it's a really amazing place. I learned it was super cool to be there. Um, and so the first night we kind of went around in the downtown area, which was really cool to see very like historic looking even more so than parts of Boston, in my opinion. And then the um, first full day, we went to the beach and we just had like the most fun, wholesome beach day ever. I posted a TikTok of it. So go check it out if you want to see the vibes. But it was super fun. And we actually grilled out on the beach, made some like impossible burgers. Like it was just so seamless, so cool to be there. And it was kind of like a private beach for his neighborhood too. So that was awesome. And then um, on the last day, we kind of shopped around a bit. We went to this, um, this, restaurant called Jetty's Beach Bar, I want to say. If you've been to Nantucket, you would know that um, that one. But yeah, it was just so fun. And I think my main kind of takeaway that I wanted to share from this story is that this was a trip in which I had like absolutely no control over what we were doing. We were with like a pretty big group of friends and it wasn't really planned by me. Obviously, it was planned by um, the folks that lived there. So I was really just going with the flow, which I would say is really abnormal for me on trips specifically. Normally, I'm the friend that like makes the itinerary, books all the tickets. And like, don't get me wrong, like I love being that friend because I am like such a structured person and like a controlled freak. And like, that's just what I like to do for the most part. So it kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone to go on a trip where like I didn't really know what we would be doing. And I just kind of was going with the flow and, you know, going with the motions and just doing, you know, uh, what everyone else decided to do. So it was cool. It was good for me. Um, and I really hope that I can go back one day because it was a pretty cool place. And if you have the opportunity to go to Nantucket, highly recommend you can fly there too. Um, it's a pretty small airport, but you can fly from Boston and prices aren't that crazy. So if it's hard for you to get to the Cape, then that's an option, but yeah, it was really cool. Just taking a sip of my wine here. So the next thing I wanted to talk about for my week in review is I have held myself accountable, you guys. If you listened a few episodes back when we did our kind of goal review episode, I talked about how I really, really, really miss dance. Um, if you guys know, Kylie and I grew up as competitive dancers, and it just was such a huge part of both of our identities. And I always thought that I would find something in postgrad that I enjoyed as much as dance. And maybe that'll still happen, but I'm kind of coming to terms with like maybe dance just like is what's meant for me. Um, and so I really told myself, you know, I have to find a way to keep it in my life. I have to, you know, step out and do classes and really make the effort because I just feel such a void without it, if that makes sense. Um, and I thought that I would just get comfortable with that in post-grad life, but I really just do miss it a lot. So I finally went to a dance class. And if you guys are familiar with the Boston dance scene, I went to an urbanity class, which is in the South End. So it's a little bit of a hike from where I live, but not too bad to go every once in a while. And um, it was a contemporary class, but it was pretty modern. And it honestly brought me back to my roots. Like when I was 16, I was like, wow, <laughs> this feels so like distant but familiar at the same time. And it just felt so good to move again and be back in that in that headspace. So I just really told myself I can't, you know, wait that long to go to another class again. I really need to make this a habit. 
And I'm going to try to go, you know, at least once a month and do something because it just brings me so much joy unlike anything else. And I just think it's so important to find something in your life that you enjoy as much as that because it truly does not feel like work. It does not feel like a workout. It does not feel like an obligation. Like I just want to do it. And there's very few things that I feel like I could say that for. So um, yeah, if you have something in your life that, you know, you haven't done in a while and it really makes you happy, pick it back up. Even if it's not easy, even if you have to, you know, drive and put on uncomfortable old clothes that you haven't worn in forever, it's really worth it. And I just feel so much more filled when I make effort like that. So yeah, you guys, a bug just died in my drink. We've been having this fruit fly problem and a fruit fly literally just died in my wine. That is nasty. I will be back. Give me one second to get a new glass here. Okay. New glass secured. I don't even know. Do you guys like know where fruit fruit flies come from? Can you tell me where fruit flies come from? Because I genuinely find it so confusing. Like I know from science that like spontaneous generation is not a thing. So like, how do they just show up? I don't know. It was my fault though. I know why they're here. I uh, used like half a banana and then it got hidden under all the other fruit. And so I, I recognize it's my fault, but I want them out. So annoying. Okay, now let's move into my favorites. <laughs> so I have two favorites this week. Weirdly, they're both different Maybelline mascaras, which is very niche and weird. But um, when I was leaving for Nantucket, I realized I was like on the very, very last limb of the mascara that I had been using, which was Too Faced Better Than Sex. And I've been using that mascara for like a couple years now. So I feel like it's been a really long time since I've had anything to compare it to. Like I've always just thought it was a really good mascara because it's kind of the one that the gurus use and it's always recommended. So I've kind of just stuck with it for a really long time. But yeah, we were about to leave for Nantucket and I didn't have um, a mascara. I'd kind of just run out of that. And I was like, I want to feel good on this trip. You know, I don't want to be like scraping the bottom and not really having any mascara to use. So I ran to the CVS right by, by the apartment and I picked up this Maybelline one and it's called Maybelline the Falsies Lash Lift. And it was kind of a random pick. I honestly just gravitate towards anything that specifies length because I don't really feel like my lashes have an issue with volume. I mean, I don't really think my lashes have an issue with length either, but that's just kind of what I prefer in mascaras to like emphasize length over volume, if that makes sense. So I just kind of wanted to pick up something that was specifically for length and it was kind of just what I landed on. But you guys, I actually love it. I actually think, call me crazy, maybe it's just because I've been using it for so long that I'm kind of used to it, but I actually think it works better than uh, better than sex, which is crazy because that's like the cult favorite mascara and this one is like one third of the price. Um, but yeah, I really like it. It's in just like a very typical silver tube if you want to go look for it. I got the like black brown. I kind of try to do like brownish ones because I have blue eyes um, and I feel like it's, you know, complimenting, but yeah, I love it. So I use a lash primer too from Milk Makeup. I think it's called like the Kush Lash Primer or something like that. And then I use whatever mascara I'm using at the time. And I feel like much more confident about my lashes this week compared to like every week prior to this, because I used to look at old pictures and be like, damn, I had such long eyelashes. And I think maybe, I don't know what it is. I have been trying to use castor oil and like grow out my lashes, but this mascara just made me feel a lot more confident. Um, and it really held the curl through the day, which is kind of my main issue. So I'm really happy that I found it. It's pretty cheap. Obviously not like the cleanest option ever if you're trying to switch to clean beauty, but if you're in a pinch and you need to run to the drugstore, I think it's a good option. So check that out. 
And then at the same time as I was making this drugstore Maybelline mascara trip, I happened to notice that they had the Royal Blue mascara. And I forget what this is called, but it's like, you know, that classic Maybelline like pink tube mascara here. Let me look. Oh, Great Lash. Right, right. So it's the Maybelline Great Lash Mascara in Royal Blue. And I feel like I've seen that um, blue mascara has kind of been trending on TikTok. So I wanted to give it a try. And I have blue eyes, like I mentioned. So I felt like it might be a little much. So I was like, all right, let's see how this works. And um, I think it's really fun. I will say because I'm lighter featured, I think the blue is a little more vibrant on me than it is on most people. And I don't know if I like that or not. Like I think if Kylie were to use it, it would be like a more subtle, you know, deep blue. And that might be pretty, but for me, it's like a pretty bright blue. So just be warned if you also have like light eyelashes, light features, that it'll be pretty bright on you. But I think it's really fun, especially for the summer. You know, like I think Kylie and I have plans to go out to dinner later this week and celebrate her move to Boston. So I think that'll be fun just to wear you know, some blue mascara out on the town. So yeah, check it out. I've, you know, always been curious and I think it's really fun and it's a pretty low risk mascara to try it with. I want to say it's like six or $7 for that tube. So um, yeah, give it a try. Okay. Now that I've blabbered up a storm, let's move into the main episode topic. Let's chat about finding confidence. If you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diasty in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. It's at work, ladies. So like I mentioned, I feel like there are so many reasons that we might not feel super confident entering the workforce or changing jobs or just really at any point in our career Um, And I think, you know, part of it's the patriarchy. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, but it actually is. Um, I think, you know, one of the reasons that originally came to mind for me was just being new in your career. Like, I think just whether that means, you know, an internship for you, whether that means it's your first job post-grad, whether that means you just switch jobs, like there are so many new starts when it comes to your career And it can be really scary to be the new person and to feel behind in the information. So that was one thing that immediately came to mind for me. 
Another reason you might not feel super confident is if you're dealing with a subject matter you're not familiar with, which, you know, for me, I was like, ding, ding, ding. This was really me um, for even now, um, but for like, especially the first year of my job, um, because I kind of am dealing with a subject matter that I was tangentially informed on, but not really in the weeds on at all. And so I had a lot of like a big learning curve basically to catch up and to figure out how to have those industry kind of conversations. So that was a reason that I didn't feel super confident at first. Another reason might be perfectionism or fear of failure. I think both of those are huge for women in the workforce. Also, if you have maybe a micromanaging or discouraging boss, I've been really lucky to always have had really great bosses, but I know from talking to friends that can be really, really hard to have a boss that you know isn't cooperative or doesn't believe in you. And the same goes for your colleagues. Like I feel like your team is really important. So if you feel like you can't count on the people on your team or they're uncooperative or they're mean, you know, I feel like that's a huge reason that people don't feel confident in their work, on their team, in their role. Another reason is just feeling either disconnected from the work that you're doing or underutilized. So I think those are kind of different, but I wanted to bucket them in the same category just to talk about. So yeah, I feel like feeling disconnected from the work you're doing is maybe feeling like, the greater mission or the greater, you know, focus of your role is not contributing to the greater good or the company or anything. I think everyone has those weeks. Um, and then I guess when it comes to feeling underutilized, this is something that I really don't struggle with because I <laughs> have not felt underutilized in this role at all. I feel quite stretched actually, but, um, my mom was experiencing this. So she recently changed jobs after working somewhere for 14 years and um, when she was training, of course, they're not going to have you on like a million projects because you're still training. And she, when I would talk to her on the phone, she would be so like down and just be like, I didn't have anything to do today. Like they're not using me. I'm not, I'm not feeling like I'm, you know, useful or consequential. And I was like, mom, like it's literally your, your first week, like relax, like you need to learn stuff first. Um, and it's definitely gotten better since then. But I think that feeling that she shared is definitely a common one of just feeling like, you're not being like used to your full potential at work, I guess is what I would say. Um, and that's something you can sort of fix so we can get into that a little bit. But um, that's another reason people might not feel super confident or comfortable in their role. And then lastly, if you just have a lot of changes. So this is something that I'm going through right now is a lot of team changes, a lot of company changes. And when things feel chaotic, it's just another level on top of you know your existing workload. And it can be really hard to balance everything and to feel like you're doing a good job and to feel like you're being confident in your role and owning your role. So I definitely can understand that as well. So now I'm gonna talk through just some ways to work on your confidence. I have compiled a bunch of tips here that have helped me through the last few years in the workforce. And I really wanted to share them with our listeners because I think this is such a common and important thing for, you know, women to combat in the workplace. So first thing to know is just know that it ebbs and flows. It is so normal to not feel super confident all the time. It is so normal to have on days, off days, great days, horrible days. Like no matter how good you are at your job, no matter how versed you are in your subject matter, you're going to have days where you don't feel the best about what you're doing. And that is so normal. Like you're not going to reach confidence nirvana. You're not going to reach confidence actualization. Everyone has days. And so just know, even if you have, you know, done the work and navigated this whole confidence journey and you still have an off day, that does not mean you failed. That does not mean you're back to square one. It's just important to know that everyone 
you know, has those days. And I just thought that was important to call it out is that it really ebbs and flows. Progress here is not linear. Um, it's really a journey. So just keep that in mind as I go through all of these. The next one is the classic fake it till you make it. I literally feel like I'm faking it so often. And I think this is true for mostly everyone, even no matter what you think, you know, you could see someone that's been at your company for years and years and years. They're like a department head, but for the most part, everyone is sort of winging it. I promise. And everyone has moments of doubt. Nobody knows entirely a hundred percent of the time what they're doing. And if they say they do, then they're lying. And so I think that there, especially when you like change roles or you're adjusting to a new responsibility or whatever it is, there's inevitably going to be a period of time that you feel like you're acting or being an imposter in someone else's job. And that's going to be the case until you've adjusted and until it feels a little more normal for you. So just know that that is very, very much allowed. And I promise I am faking it probably 70 to 80% of every day <laughs> that I work, honestly. The next one, it has to do with affirmations and just having, you know, a mindset shift when it comes to confidence. And so, you know, there's the classic kind of typical affirmations that say, I am smart, I am worthy, I am good at my job. And those do work for some people, but I also wanted to include this um, other idea that my friend Megan actually posted about. So shout out to Megan for sharing this idea because I hadn't heard of these before and I think they're really great. And they're called affirmations instead of affirmations. And so, for example, instead of saying I am enough or I am at my job because I'm good at my job, we can say, what if I am enough? What if I'm at my job because I'm good at my job? And I feel like that's just more of a prompt mentally. And this would even be something to like journal on for sure. Um, but it's just more of a prompt to make you think about what makes you worthy, what makes you good at your job. And so I think it's just a little more tangible maybe for people that aren't as experienced when it comes to affirmations or don't find them as useful. So I wanted to include that one. The next one is so huge. And I think Kylie and I have talked about this a few different times. I think it's just kind of come up as a topic, but avoid weak language and make sure to accept compliments. And so when I say weak language, I can think of a couple examples um, one of them is just. So I am so guilty of saying just all the time. Oh, I was just reaching out, you know, because I need this for the deadline. Oh, I just wanted to ask you this question. That really weakens what you're saying, even if you don't really conscious, if you're not consciously aware of it, because you're not just asking for what you need. You know, you're asking for what you need. I think it's really important to own that, especially as a woman. And so that is one that I wanted to call out. Another one that I wanted to call out is apologizing when it doesn't really make sense. Obviously, if you've done something dire, of course, you should apologize. But I'm thinking about like someone reaches out, they want to schedule, you know, a meeting saying, sorry, I'm not available or, you know, sorry, I don't have the bandwidth to do that project this week, but maybe next week, those kinds of things. So I think instead of apologizing, you know, there's no reason to apologize <laughs> is basically what I'm saying. There's no reason to say sorry, really just go ahead and go with your statement. That's something I challenge you guys to work on this week um, is just to apologize less. I feel like women are so conditioned to apologize for things and there's really nothing to be sorry for. You know, you'll find a time for the meeting. You'll find a time to get the work done. So yeah, try to remove sorry from your workplace vocabulary when it's not warranted. The next one Kylie is notorious for, but it's the classic 
does that make sense at the end of your sentence? Um, and so I think you can kind of assume that things do make sense unless someone tells you they don't. Uh, unless someone has a question, unless someone wants clarification, I think you can go ahead with the assumption that what you're saying makes sense because you are an educated person who made an educated statement and you're going to own the confidence and you're going to, you know, own that. Another one is I'm no expert, but um, that's one that I said a lot at first in this role because I really felt like I was an imposter. Like I really felt like I had a big learning curve, a lot to catch up on. But if this is something you're dealing with, I really challenge you to just remove that from your vocabulary. You don't have to give that disclaimer when it's time for you to speak. You're probably more of an expert in what you're talking about than you think you are. So that's another one. The next one is saying, I feel like, or I think. This is one that I, it's definitely just a part of my vocabulary that I don't even realize. But when I found this one, when I was searching online, I was like, oh damn, I definitely say that a lot. So I'm going to work on this. But instead of saying, I feel like, or I think, you can say, I'm confident that my you know, research has shown that my experience tells me that X, Y, Z. So that's what I'm going to work on. Let's all work on it together. Another aspect of weak language, I guess this is less a word and more just like a habit, but trying to speak with a period at the end. So trying not to, you know, raise your voice at the end of the sentence, make it sound like a question, really just, you know, be strong and firm in your statement and end your sentence with a period. It sounds simple, but you'd be surprised at how many people actually don't really do that. And I alluded to this a couple minutes ago, but just trying not to deflect compliments. You know, someone says, oh, you did a really great job on that project. Instead of saying like, oh, stop, I didn't do much. I had a lot of help. You know, just own that. Say, thank you. Thank you. I was proud of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's another thing that women are really guilty of is deflecting compliments, pretending that they don't deserve them, pretending they're not a big deal. But if someone has gone out of your way to tell you that you did a good job, you probably did a damn good job and you should own that. Um, and say thank you and just accept it. Another thing that I wanted to talk about in this episode is something that I feel like introverts would really struggle with. And I consider myself an extroverted introvert, I'm pretty sure. Um, and so this is really just making sure that you can leverage one-to-one -one interactions and making sure that you're visible in meetings. And so I think for people that are anxious or have, you know, a little bit of social anxiety or are introverted, it can be a lot easier to reach out with questions over email, over Slack, over instant messenger. But it's so important in you know the career world to go up to someone directly and ask them a question. So it's really important to train yourself to ask in person, ask them directly when you have a question, and also to actively make your presence and your visibility known in meetings. And that doesn't mean like contribute every two seconds and say meaningless stuff, but that means when you have a good idea, say it. Don't you know slack it after the meeting. Really own your presence there and make sure that people know you have good ideas. People know you're around. And um, I think if this is hard for you, it can be helpful to take time to kind of charge up before you engage if that's an opportunity that you have. So for example, I think about these networking sessions that they do at my office. And so those happen at 4.30, you know, every other Thursday. And so for me, if that's something that I know is going to be really socially draining, socially exhausting for me, you can try to take an hour, you know, maybe book a time block on your calendar to charge up, be alone, maybe do some mindless tasks and just, you know, mentally prepare because it 
it's not always easy for everyone. And maybe you're an extroverted person and that's awesome. And you know, you thrive off of that kind of thing, but not everyone's like that. So I just wanted to include this tip for introverted people, especially, and just know that, you know, you're super valid. Your opinion deserves to be heard and you deserve to talk to people directly. You don't always have to, you know, message them. People want to see you. People want to hear what you have to say. Another thing on being introverted is just a quick note that I found in my research. So I actually heard that introverts are made to lead. So according to Professor Adam Grant from UPenn's Wharton School of Business, introverts can actually be better leaders because they're more in tune with their likes and their dislikes. They know what works best for them and they use this information to create work environments that optimize their effectiveness. So just wanted to throw that in there for my fellow introverts. You're doing great and you could be a leader. You should be a leader. Next tip that I wanted to include is just know that you need practice. So I forget where I originally heard this, but I heard somewhere basically that you don't really know your job fully until you've been in it for at least a year. And I think that is so true. I only recently, like I said, kind of found my confidence, felt really comfortable in my role. And even now I don't feel a hundred percent comfortable, but I think for the first year, I, like I mentioned, I really just felt like I was faking it. Like I was, um, an imposter. And so just know that this is really normal and valid and you don't have to, you know, feel like you're an expert at your 90 day check-in. That's not how things work. You know, you have time to grow and learn even beyond a year mark, but just know that it takes at least a year to know what you're doing. You're going to need practice. You're going to make mistakes. And that's kind of a good segue into my next point, which is just accept now that you're going to make mistakes. Don't let that be a hindrance to your confidence journey because I would so much rather my intern that I manage try something new and fail at it than never try anything new. So just know that you're bound to make mistakes. I wanted to share this story um, from my very first internship ever. So I worked at this state agency. And part of what I did was kind of process these applications that we were getting. And we had this system to track the status of the applications. And for whatever reason, I don't remember the details of it now, but basically what ended up happening is that I changed the status to these applications to approved before they were actually approved somehow. Like in our system, things just got you know miscommunicated and they ended up being marked as approved when they weren't. So all these people were notified that they were approved when they weren't. And so there was all of this backlog trying to go back and fix that. And I think, you know, it, I let it stress me out a lot. I let it stress me out for months, probably the remainder of that internship. I was on such high alert to not make the same mistake. And my boss was so gracious. And I remember he really was just trying to calm me down. He was like, it's not a big deal. Like, we're going to fix it. And, um, you know, now kind of being in more of a managerial position and seeing the way things function, like, I know that wasn't as big a deal as I made it out to be in that moment. So just know if you're stressed, if you've made a mistake, or if you're stressed, you're going to make a mistake. These things happen. Your managers expect these things to happen, I promise. And there is a fix. Um, and you'll have a great story for that later interview question when someone says, tell me about a time you made a mistake, <laughs> because I sure do now. And you're going to learn from it. That's just inevitable. The next aspect that I wanted to talk about when it comes to finding more confidence at work is especially if you feel like you've been underutilized or your skill set isn't being fully leveraged, you can ask for more responsibility. But I do caution you to do this strategically. So I wouldn't say just like jump. I feel like a lot of the general advice in like corporate America is like, take every opportunity, jump at whatever opportunity you get. I personally don't really agree with that. I mean, I think maybe that's just because I'm very busy in my role and I can't jump at every opportunity. But I think 
you know, you know strategically what you're interested in, what you're curious about. And I would say to really hone in on who's doing that and how can you get involved there? Don't just accept, you know, all of the administrative work that no one wants to do. Don't accept, you know, I mean, if you're assigned the work, that's another story. But if you're seeking out more things to do, I think that's a really good opportunity for you to be strategic and look for areas that interest you. Look for areas that you might want to work in later in your career. And like I mentioned, go in person, go talk to those people because um, people love to talk about what they're doing. People love to get help with what they're doing. It's really just going to be a win-win for everyone involved. So if you are in the position where you feel like you don't have a lot of work, it's a really great opportunity to take a look at, you know, the company structure, take a look at who's doing what, and is there someone that you could talk to about what you're interested in and maybe get involved a little more there. Now I'm going to talk about the classic strengths and weaknesses. We all have areas that we just naturally gravitate towards that we feel naturally better at. So I know for me, that's really kind of operations and process and things like that. And then the ways that I have to stretch myself is a little bit more kind of relationship management and those kinds of things. And those were both big aspects of my role. But I think making it known very early on that I was more comfortable with and more innately skilled at the operational stuff has made that a bigger part of my role now. So if there's an aspect of your role or something that you know that you're naturally good at, just um, really emphasizing those strengths, stepping up to the plate when people need those strengths, owning your expertise, being the go-to person when people have questions about that thing can be super helpful for you and for your confidence. And then when it comes to your weaknesses, you can try to find ways to work on your weaknesses by identifying the cause of the problem. So if you feel like there are tasks that you can't do Um, You can carry out a personal SWOT analysis to really kind of identify those weaknesses. And I will link that down below. Um, SWOT stands for something. I'm going to look it up really quick. Yes, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So you can do a SWOT analysis for yourself and then draw up an action plan to work on areas where you're not so strong, whether that's just, you know, with yourself or with your manager, whatever you're comfortable with. But I feel like working on self-improvement can be a great way to improve your confidence in the workplace. The next one is a hard one. I know it is, and it is to ask for feedback. So sometimes it can be hard to do this because we don't want to face, you know, potential criticism, but even just having the confidence to ask for feedback and to be open to learning and open to improving can make such a difference in the workplace and such a difference to your confidence. Something that I also implemented this last year that has been incredibly helpful is a win list and just, you know, trying to celebrate every little win. And so basically all my notion that I use for work, I just have a tab called my win list with a little trophy emoji. And whenever I feel like I have a moment of, damn, I did that, or I'm so glad that's over, or I feel like that went really well, I'll write it in my win list. And then that way you kind of have a list to refer back to at the end of the year when it comes to your performance reviews. You know, you want to reflect on ways to grow, what you've accomplished. And um, I came across an article that talked about something similar. The progress principle was created by a Harvard Business School researcher named Teresa a mobile, and she studied 12,000 accounts to determine that the most important thing that leads to a positive work life is celebrating the little wins. So when you keep track of your progress and celebrate the progress that you make at work every single day, you are happier, more productive, more engaged in your work. And whether you do this through a notepad or a Word document, it's really important to keep track of what you accomplish You know, every day, every few days, because seeing your own progress boosts your confidence helps you realize what you have accomplished and also helps you see that you're a valuable member of the team and that you are bringing, you know, substantial value to the company and you're good at what you're doing. 
So I think that's an amazing tip. And like I mentioned, when you're going to ask for a raise, you can look back at the list as a reminder of why you're incredibly valuable and you'll be ready to talk about all the ways you've contributed to your organization. I think this is such a great life hack. I wish I was doing this sooner. So definitely pick this up if you haven't already. Another thing that I found through my research for this episode is something that I definitely want to implement and it's to make a personal post-mortem. So I think a post-mortem is like a Latin phrase that means post-death. And this is a practice that's actually used internally at Etsy, like corporate Etsy. Um, And so essentially, if something goes wrong at Etsy, the entire team has a post-mortem and tries to find out what went wrong and make it better, but not blame. So the company has found that this encourages innovation and risk-taking because people don't feel afraid to make a mistake and they know that they'll never be blamed for that mistake. And I think you can kind of adopt that principle just as an individual. And if you make a mistake, it is important to find out what went wrong, but you should never blame yourself because you were trying to grow, you were trying to innovate. Um, And just know that innovation and failure really go hand in hand. This kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. I would so much rather you try and not succeed than just not try. So make a personal post-mortem kind of principle for yourself and just know that if you fail, yeah, you might need to analyze after what went wrong, but you should never blame yourself. And I think that would be such a huge way to improve confidence. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is managing up. So this is a skill set that is definitely developed over a period of time, but is so important to have as an employee because when you have too much on your plate and you're just being assigned more things, you need to manage up and tell you know, your manager, your boss that it's not feasible because I really learned that instead of saying yes, 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 and setting you know unrealistic expectations and maybe not meeting deadlines or overworking yourself, it is so much more valuable to manage up. And this can be a great way to improve your confidence because it takes a lot of guts to tell your manager that you know, you're not going to have the bandwidth, but they will have so much respect for you and you will grow so much as a person if you push yourself to do that when the time comes. Or it could be as little as, you know, maybe in your check-ins, you have a template that you think would be more valuable for you, those kinds of things. You can manage up and say, hey, I found this template online. I think it would be a really helpful format for us to talk through every week during our one-to-ones. What do you think? And you taking that ownership and taking that power of the meetings that are supposed to benefit you can be a really huge deal. Kind of on the same line is saying no to projects when you know you don't have the time, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the availability, and also setting boundaries. So I found an article that said that researchers believe that one reason that women are not promoted at the same levels as men is because of burnout. So women face high expectations in the home and at work because they always have to be on even after work hours. And being always on is impossible, as we all know. So making sure to prioritize things like sleep, getting time outdoors, exercising, just not sitting all day um, and spending time with friends, you are going to be your most confident self if you're prioritizing yourself. So make sure to set those boundaries, whether that means you know making your Slack inactive after five, not checking emails after five, whatever works for you and helps you set those boundaries is going to help you be more confident because then you can you know, make sure you're not feeling burnt out. Make sure you can bring your full self to work. Make sure you're really showing up in the things that you are doing. And yeah, I just wanted to throw that in here because I think it's a really important um, an idea. Another kind of disclaimer that I wanted to throw in here is don't accept bullying if that's something that you're experiencing at work because other people's attitudes and behavior can definitely contribute to your lack of confidence. 
Um, you might feel like your coworkers are making unfair assumptions about you, or maybe you are just literally being bullied or you're subject to microaggressions. And especially if that's the case, you really need to call that behavior out in order to reach your goals and be your best self. So I'm going to link it below, but I found a situation behavior impact feedback tool to make it clear to the person that their behavior is harmful to you. And if for some reason you don't feel safe talking to them, you can definitely seek help from your manager. And if your manager is part of the problem, you can speak to another team member, HR, or an employee support network if you have one. But workplace bullying is never acceptable in any situation. So if you feel like that's part of why you're dealing with this confidence journey, I just wanted to throw that in here because I think that is a super important thing to address and something that you should never have to deal with. Even if you absolutely love your job, even if, even if you could see yourself staying there for the rest of your life, I think it's important to stay informed on your industry, stay informed on other job opportunities, because I think just knowing, you know, what else is out there, what opportunities exist, what those opportunities pay, at least, you know, in a range is the best way to know your value and the best way to kind of benchmark yourself against the greater ecosystem and to know when, if and when it's time to look for another role because you deserve to get paid well for your work. You deserve to elevate your career. And so if you feel like you're in a position where you're not doing that, you're not being utilized, you're not feeling great in your role anymore, you can leverage kind of the fact that you've been informed on the industry and seek other opportunities that way. You should also know that you have the right to bring as little of yourself to work as you want to, or as much of yourself to work as you want to. And so I can think of a couple examples of just different types of people that some people bring their full selves to work. You know, we know their mom's name, their dad's name, their dog's name. We know what they did this weekend and that's great. And that's what works for them. And that one, that's what makes a happy and satisfying and confident workplace for them. Some people, you don't even know if they're married, you don't know anything about them. And that's what makes a great workplace for them. And so just know that you have the right to either bring your full self to work if that's what makes you happy or to set those boundaries if that's what makes you happy. Um, and I feel like that's something that's not really talked about a lot is just the fact that you kind of control the workplace dynamic that you want to participate in. And so just do what makes you the happiest and the, the most confident in that situation. A point that I want to end on here is just know that work is not your being. Know that work is not your full self. I know I just did an entire episode about career and work, but I feel like, you know, in this post-grad stage of life, we're so, we so use our current status to identify ourselves. And that's just something I think humans do in general. I think humans just like want to have an identity to prescribe to. I think that's part of human nature. So like when you're a student, you're like, I'm a student and you're gung-ho on being a student and going to this specific school. And then when you have a job, you know, you practically introduce yourself with your job. When you're on a date, the first thing you talk about, so what do you do? But I think it's so important to know that you are so much more than your job. You are so much more than your career. You bring so much value to this earth, whether you are employed, whether you're unemployed, like just know that you yourself are so valuable and worth it regardless of what you do or how you feel about what you do. Um, and I really hope that, you know, this Gen Z millennial age group is the one to kind of end this work being in your entire life thing. And I think that we've made a lot of progress there. Um, in the last few years. And I think we're going to continue to make progress there. But just know that you are so much more than what you do. What you do is just a part of you. It's not, you know, the full you. And if you're not feeling great about it, there's things you can do to change it. If you are feeling great about it, that's awesome. And it's a part of your identity, but it doesn't have to be the full you. So that's it for this episode, you guys. I hope I wasn't too rambly, but I think this is a really critical topic to talk about in, you know, your early 20s, especially 
And I hope that you guys got some value out of it. So next week I will be back with my co-host, back with my partner in crime, Kylie. Sent her good vibes as she, you know, establishes her apartment and her home base here in Boston. It's been a dream of hers for a long time. So I'm really excited that she's here in the city and that we can hang out more easily and just live our best lives. But if you guys want to keep in touch with us, you can follow us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. You can also send in anonymous suggestion box comments to the link in our description and those will not be tied to you. So if you want to give us some feedback, we would love that. You can also rate us five stars on Apple podcasts. We would really, really appreciate that. Really helps the show grow. And I think that's about it. So have an awesome week, you guys. I'm sending you the best vibes and I will chat with you guys next Tuesday with Kylie. Bye everyone. Bye.